everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. If you like content, you're going to love this show. We've got a ton of listener questions. We've got some big things that have been happening, not only on the football field and off the football field, but on the hardwood. We're going to dig into that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. So, Jeremy, we weren't really able to do a show last week, so let's give this 90 seconds. We're going to be 30 seconds in here in 3, 2, 1... The Frogs got blown out in the national championship. Do you remember that? It was a uh, it was a bittersweet day, of course, Jeff. You get to go out and watch the Frogs play in the championship, but obviously losing that game the way they did left kind of a sour taste. But, hey, TCU is one of the two teams out of, what, 129, 130 teams in the nation that got to say they had a chance to play for the national championship, so that's good. Um, it's not going to take away anything that – they accomplished for the season. I don't care who would have lined up in front of Georgia on Monday night. They were winning by 30. Georgia was dialed in. They were going to win that game. No one can cover Brock Bowers. Stetson Bennett had the game of his life. Um, it is what it is. Build on it. Improve for next year and see if they can get out there and win another uh, Big 12 – or not win a Big 12 title, but get there and play in the Big 12 championship and uh, hopefully make the playoffs again. Yeah, I got I got three comments. One, uh, this game was lost when Ohio State took them to the last play because it was the best case scenario for uh, Kirby Smart, where he was able to just chew them out all week and rip them up and maximize what is what I believe the best roster. And now I'm going to make a controversial statement: the best program in college football. So that was that was a tear. That was a great moment for Georgia, and the worst thing that could have happened to TCU. I don't know what the Frogs would have done against Iowa State. I mean Ohio State, but I know that they would not have lost 65 to seven. Number two, every program that is dogging on us was dogging on us from their couch. So when you get into the playoff and then beat the number two team in the semifinal, you can talk. So unless you did that, I don't want to hear it. And then number three, I will admit the only moment where I thought, my gosh, this is going to be a great game. Frogs are down 10 nothing. And then the Frogs get drive right down the field. Max Duggan sticks it in for a touchdown. And I thought, all right, we've been here before. Get down a little bit. Fight right back in. And then uh, not so much. What was it? 55 unanswered points after that max touchdown. That touch, I was in the end zone. That touchdown happened right in front of me, and I was going nuts. And everything after that was just uh, a landslide. So what are we going to do about it? We went past the 90 seconds. You ready to move on, Jeremy? Yeah, we can move on anytime. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on. Hey, Frogs beat Kansas. Is that one of the worst losses that Kansas has ever had at Fog Island Fieldhouse? That's got, is that the biggest win in TCU basketball history? They have a basketball team? I'm just kidding. They do. They Everyone, have a top I, I, This is a shout-out to TSR. What's it going to be tomorrow? Top 14? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they were ranked 14th going into that game, and you go up and beat the number two team by 23 points. I mean, shoot, yeah, they should be in the top 10. Hopefully, it'd be – Really cool to see them in that 7-8 range. I mean, obviously, the loss to West Virginia. What is up with Morgantown and Frogs going up and winning oh, games? Guys, there's something oh about gosh. it. But, I, you know, they had a, a great game plan from start to finish against Kansas. Played except, exceptionally well. And uh, just when you think TCU basketball might be going down a little bit, especially after that West Virginia loss, they go out and they, they get a win like that against Kansas and Everyone's back to believing, baby. Let's go. Let's go I'm, to the Big 12 title game. I'm I'm back to believing. You know, I know it's hyperbole, and maybe it's just kind of we can stick our chest out about something. You cannot tell me the Big 12 is not the best basketball conference in the country by a significant margin. I think it is. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, if you look at it, wasn't it like at one point all 10 teams were ranked in the top 60 in Ken Palm? Or something I think stu- it was like the top 35. Yeah, something stupid like that. I mean, full disclosure, I don't keep up with basketball as much as I do football, but I do follow it a little bit, and I knew I, I do know Kansas, or TCU is playing really well, and I do know the Big 12 is, like you said, Jeff, the best conference for college basketball. I mean, there's no denying it. There's a lot of people out there that are nationwide starting to give it the recognition it deserves. And, uh, I mean, I'm – 
safe to say I really think that the national champion this year will come out of the Big 12. Uh, and that's you, you talk about that with other people across the nation. They're, they're starting to nod their head in agreement and, and believe in that statement. So, yeah, still a long way to go, but TCU's right there in the thick of things. And, you know, of course, you know, either next year or the year after. Well, next year, for sure, you've got Houston coming in who has been bouncing around, what, the top five all season? And, you know, when when with all due respect to Texas and Oklahoma, when they pull out, we're getting a better basketball program than any of those two that's going to come in. And Cincinnati's a competitive basketball program. BYU is an annoying basketball program. I will admit not knowing a whole lot about UCF basketball, but – my gosh, it's it's a strong conference, and it's only going to get stronger. And uh, you know, for the frogs to be where they are, right in the grind of the best conference in the country, it speaks well. Why don't you, Why don't you go ahead and celebrate uh, one of our staff writers, Colin Post, does a great job covering the covering frog basketball. Yeah, absolutely, Colin. Colin's a dude, man. He loves basketball, and it was funny. I told told the story about it on the board. We're sitting up there in the press box at the Fiesta Bowl, and. We're getting ready to watch the game, and he just starts sulking. I'm like, you all right over there, man? He's like, man, my whole story just got wiped out that I was writing about Texas Tech, them beating Texas Tech. You know, so he he really cares about basketball. He's got great sources inside the program. And um, Colin, Colin is a uh, very, very hard worker. Um, that's why I wanted to go out there and, and make sure 24-7 gets this guy because he really loves basketball, wants to provide you guys a lot of content and – he does a lot better job than I do at, at doing that for basketball. So props to Colin, man, doing great, dude. Yeah. I mean, obviously, a lot of people get on the board because Jeremy does recruiting so well. There's a lot of insiders that post on there. But uh, Colin does a great job. And now's the time, man. There's there's lots of room on the bandwagon. Jump on because I think the Frogs are going to continue to make noise in Big 12 regular season. We always know how exciting Kansas City can be for the Big 12 tournament. And, you know, we just got a taste of it last year by getting to the second round and, you know, losing that bullcrap call to Arizona last season. So who knows how far the Frogs can go this year. So Jamie Dixon, he's got it humming in a way. I mean, this this was legitimately one of the bottom five power six basketball programs in the country. And if, if the Frogs make the Sweet 16, no one's going to be surprised. So let's tip our hat to Jamie Dixon. Let's tip our, let's go ahead and go back and get, tip our hat to Chris Del Conte for bringing him here from Pitt. Um, I bet Pitt, you know, their fans were like, well, well, let him go, man. He could never win the big the national title. Uh, I don't remember seeing a whole lot about Pitt, Pitt basketball since the day that Jamie Dixon left. So um, re- really glad Dixon is here in Fort Worth, and it looks like things are continuing to just climb up and to the right for Horn Frog basketball. Yeah, it's just it. You look at it, and if they can just if they can just win, you, know, you always talk about this magic number being, you know, nine and nine, whatever it is. But I really think that nine and nine might get them to like third in the conference. To be honest, because there's just so many good teams, a lot of parity from from one through basically one through seven. You know, West Virginia is not playing really well. Texas Tech's not playing really well. That's what was so shocking about them losing to the stinking Mountaineers the other night. But because uh, that was their first conference win. But yeah, there's if they can ride this momentum, getting this win over Kansas and pull off a few consecutive wins here the next few weeks, then I, you know I, I really like their chances. I really do. I like their chances to uh, be right there, like you said. I horrible call still still burns me up still burns still all the burns basketball fans up it just it felt weird being in arizona you know you're there for the fiesta bowl but you still think in the back of your mind we're only 110 miles away from the the school that got the luckiest dang call and prevented tcu from advancing in the in march madness and so yeah it still still wears in my mind i am a, i am a basketball fan i'm not you know the so-called basketball expert jeff if that if that makes sense it does. That call still burns my bacon. Oh, it burns my bacon. Uh, well, the Frogs got, uh, landed a new transfer, at least formally today, that, that you know of. We had, in your words, a transfer from the portal that snuck in, no fanfare, enrolled in the university. Frogs are getting some help at wideout. Uh, it's, I think he's going to play X. But tell us a little bit about Jalen um, coming in. He's a new player from Ole Miss, but he's got Fort Worth roots. Update us a little bit about the latest transfer to come to TCU. Yeah, finally. 
Jalen Robinson finally coming home. This is a uh, this is a guy that TCU really recruited heavily out of All Saints. Um, they didn't get him. They they kind of waited a little long to 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 get him, but he ended up going to Oklahoma. Didn't last there very long. Went to UCF. Put up some really good numbers at UCF. Decided to hit the portal. TCU is extremely close with getting him. There's a lot of people that felt that he was going to end up at TCU. Tennessee was in the mix, and our good friend to the east, Ole Miss. Ole Miss was, of Ole course, Miss. in the miss, uh, in the mix, not in the miss. Uh, Ole Miss was in the mix, and of course, Jalen ends up going there. He only spent one year at Ole Miss. Only had five catches for 29 yards this year. Appeared in eight games. I don't know really what the backstory was there, why he was so limited, why he didn't get a lot of catches. I mean, he had five catches in several games when he was at UCF. Um, but it is a guy that will bring speed to the roster. You you have a guy that ran a 10-4 uh, as a high school athlete. He could take the top off the defense, and that's kind of what we talked about on the board a little bit today, just finding that guy that – could be a vertical threat. You've got a lot of guys that are quick guys. JoJo Earl's a quick guy. Jack Besh is a guy that can get yards. Obviously, we all know Savion and Jordan and some of those guys that are coming back. We still have Major Everhart to talk about. He's another speed guy. But I think if you look at the outside, where you have to replace with Quentin, you're not going to have a 6'4 guy out there, but you're going to have a guy that can run. He's great at running comeback routes. He's He's great. Um, catching those 12 to 15 yard passes downfield because people do have to respect his speed so much. He's really, uh, really good at making people think he's going to go deep all the time. And then next thing you know, he's catching these little 12 yard routes. And then when they try to push up on him, he's able to get behind him vertically. So I think that's going to help. Um, if you look at what Kendall Browse did at Baylor, we all. Who's re- that? <laughs> what? What? Who, who, who can oh Kendall Brown? Oh, oh that's next. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I forgot going. to put the in front of it. The the Kendall Brows. Kendall Brows. If you look at you know really what they did at Baylor in that offense, who do we remember a lot at receiver? Katie Cannon and Corey Coleman, right? So similar size guys, and you're talking about guys that routinely took the top off of defenses, and I think that's what Jalen Robinson brings to the table. It was kind of a sneaky deal. He entered the portal on Thursday, and I think, heck, by the time Sunday rolled around, he was at TCU, or Saturday he was at TCU. And uh, I'd found out that he was already enrolled in classes and everything. So he's he's officially part of the team already and uh, ready to rock and roll. Well, you mentioned who will be calling plays for him next season, and we'll see how that unfolds. So I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Jeremy. I don't know if you'd heard this or maybe some gossip um, out in Azel, but the Horn Frogs have a new offensive coordinator, the Kendall Bryles. Um, stole him away from the mighty SEC. I didn't know uh, SEC uh, assistance would uh, take a huge step down to come to TCU from Fayetteville. But uh, Kendall Bryles is the new offensive coordinator for TCU. Obviously, Lincoln or, uh, Garrett Riley uh, takes the job at, at Clemson. Let, let's start there uh, real quick. Why do you think, uh, aside from it, uh, let's just be honest, it's step up. Uh, other than, than, oh, he's going to make a little more money and get a step up, why do you think that Riley took the Clemson job? Well, you know, talking with a few people, you look at, like you mentioned, Jeff, it's a step up. I mean, Clemson, Clemson at TCU is a great program, but Clemson is a blue blood program. And, yeah, he could have, what about A&M? What, how come he didn't go there when they were offering so much money? Would anyone go to A&M right now? With, oh, with gosh, the dumpster man. fire that's going that. on down there. You know, everyone kind of looks at that. Coaches are smarter than w- what people give them credit for. They look at certain things like that. In Clemson, he could go. He's he's going to be under one of your favorite coaches, Jeff. I mean, he, he spreads the, the gossip every chance he gets with Dabba. He spreads the gossip, that's for sure. The gospel, I mean, golly, the go- <laughs> gospel and gossip. I can't even get it right, but um, – but Dabo's a really good coach, and he's got a ton of good players over there at Clemson. I mean, you're going to walk into a situation where you're going to have one of the top young quarterbacks in the nation in, in Kay Klubnik. So, yeah, he, I think that's got to be a big one. And I even I even text Garrett just joking with him, saying, hey, I expect to see you in New York City 
next year at the Heisman Trophy presentation again because I really feel like he's going to be able to help Cade put up some really massive numbers uh, over there. And they've got so many guys coming back. And if you look at Clemson, they were down this year. But down for them is, what, 9-3, and 10-2? and two. Yeah, they, I mean, they won the ACC. They're, yeah. They're down year. They're down years not making the playoffs for them. So if you look at the ACC – the ACC is a lot easier conference, in my opinion, than what the Big Twelve is. You've got Absolutely. so many. You've got so many blue chip guys. And let's be honest this this guy, you know, Garrett, probably maybe one more year around TCU. Now you get to go to Clemson. He's going to put up another great year in that offense out there. He's going to put them up to some big numbers. They're going to be competing for a playoff spot. K. Klubnik's going to be there. He's going to get a ton of calls next year if he's anywhere close to being as successful as he was this year. And I'm not talking about offensive coordinator jobs. We all know he's going to be a head coach. And so this was another step in the ladder for him to try to improve his resume and try to get to that ultimate goal, which is being the player, being uh, a head coach at a, at a high quality team. I, and I don't, I don't look at it to be, Oh, Garrett Riley's going to take on the head coaching position at Tulsa or, uh, no. Tulane or any of those G5 schools, I really think he's his first coaching job is going to be at a P5 program. So this is going to help him. You want him. to know my prediction? Where What's he's going to be? What's that? Houston. He'll be at Houston next year. I can see that. I mean, I, I can really see that. But I was also told that he really likes the Carolinas. I think he enjoyed his time there when he was at App State. So, uh, you know, if you, if you like a place and you're going to get to go to a program where you're you're going to be pretty successful in your mind. You got a lot of nice toys to play around with and make your offense successful. Then, then why not? And, uh, you know, best of luck to him. I mean, obviously I think he's going to do well out there. And I think by the time 2024 rolls around, we'll be seeing him at as, as a head coach somewhere else. Well, that, uh, that created an opportunity that created an opening Tell us a little bit about how this coaching search went down. So, uh, Riley, it was abrupt. The Frogs didn't even get a chance to counter, um, which just says, hey, Garrett Riley's taking this job. There's not much you can do about it. What was the what was the first word you heard come down when this opening took place of what the shortlist was and then how quickly they narrowed in to bring in Kendall Bryles? Well, the whole thing with Garrett, I saw a lot of people post on Twitter and even on our site. Why didn't why bring in Bryles? Why, why didn't they match Garrett? And – from speaking with a lot of people, I really don't think they got the chance to. It wasn't. Yeah, I was told they didn't get a chance. Yeah, not just so, from you. Yeah, and and there's a lot of people, even even from Clemson side, that have claimed that Garrett wanted to go to Clemson so bad he didn't want Dabo to say anything. So I don't know how true that is. I mean that that could be complete speculation, but I know this. I know that Thursday afternoon when it all happened, it wasn't a it wasn't a hey. I'm leaving for Clemson unless you guys can give me a better offer. It was, hey, I'm I'm going to Clemson. So mm-hmm. I think they, I I think that there was a lot of shock uh, initially, but then you start getting getting on the phone, and I think Kendall Browse was obviously one of the top guys. If you're looking at what Sonny was looking for, he wanted someone with Texas ties. He wanted someone with a quarterback coach background. He wanted obviously someone that has a good offense that runs the ball. Uh, Kendall is not necessarily air raid, but it's a similar offense to air raid. I don't know how to exactly describe it, but there are some functions of it that are air raid. And if you look at all those things, especially the way he ran the ball up at Arkansas, they had the number seven rushing offense in the nation when you're playing against the SEC West, which we all want to bump our chests about the Big 12 being good this year, but I think we could all admit the SEC West is quite honestly the toughest division in college football. I mean, it, it tougher is, than the Big Ten West, uh, just slightly, just slightly better. Okay, <laughs> yeah. But if you if you look at all those things, I think it was real real easy to know that that Kendall was a candidate. Jeff Lebby was going to be a guy, but Jeff Lebby already makes two million. He's got a huge buyout, so it's like okay, we really can't get Lebby. Then you look at Seth Luttrell. What's the thing, Seth Luttrell? The knock on him is great offense, but he's not a quarterback guy, and he doesn't like recruiting. And that's not any type of secret. That's pretty well known throughout the coaching circles. So another couple names, Graham Harrell, he had just signed with Purdue, and we all know 
when coaches sign these extensions or, or new offers, they're about worth as much as the, the, the paper they sign them on. So it, it, it could change real fast. But he was kind of a, a limited candidate, but wasn't really a high candidate, if that makes sense. He was extremely down the list. So things happened really fast. Um, when I started hearing Brawl's name as being the guy that TCU was eyeing on, that was Friday. So this is how fast it happened. I mean, they were really – he he went to the forefront on Friday. And then I started to hear some people that don't have any TCU ties, that don't have any Arkansas ties that were telling me, hey, I think Kendall is not real happy at Arkansas. And they didn't really get into it. Like They didn't say him and Sam Pittman don't get along. It wasn't he hates the state because I think he really you know, genuinely likes the state of Arkansas. But I've always heard that he wanted to get back to Texas. So – this thing, this thing was done, and I'm just trying to, you know, piggyback off the notes I put on the board. Mm-hmm. I, I felt really confident by Saturday when I think it was Jamie. Them guys, I think, put out that he was the leading candidate. By that time, everyone knew that Browse was the leader. Um, I was yeah, posting. You had on posted my, that at length already yeah, on our middle yeah. So when that broke. it was. It was it was kind of the a foregone conclusion. At that point, it was going to become browse, but it wasn't finalized yet. And how long is it going to take to to name him as the uh, offensive coordinator? By Sunday night, I had a conversation, and I can't share what that conversation was about. Um, but it solidified my thought that browse was indeed the guy, and I think I even doubled down on the board that he's. He's going to be the guy, but I I can never share that information. I just know he was going to be the guy. And then by, I want to say Tuesday, um, you didn't hear anything. I I specifically asked Monday, hey, is there any new names to to research, anything like that? No, haven't heard any new names. By Tuesday, I'm getting told that it's going to be finalized on Thursday. And guess what? He's going to be picked up by Wednesday. And so why the long delay? Everyone kept saying – well, this has to be because TCU's getting backlash or Jimmy Sexton's doing this because he does it to everyone. I, if you go to Arkansas site, there's a, someone pointed out to me, there was about a 30 page thread about me and how, mm-hmm. d- how dumb I was to even think yeah. that Kendall Browse was going to go to Arca to TCU from Arkansas. I mean, it was just crazy. Yeah, I commented on it. I agreed with everybody. Oh, did you? <laughs> no, Appreciate that, Jeff. No, <laughs> No, but it, no, I no, but I, all right, I, I, all right, I did read it and I laughed, but I did not, uh, I did not contribute. You know, I did, I, I read a couple. I didn't read the whole thing. I mean, it was freaking long, so I didn't have enough time to read through all that. But um, it happened really fast. I mean, this thing happened really, really fast, and uh, they did get, you know, they they were kind of watching. You know, they they knew the reaction wasn't going to be great which I think everyone could admit they they've you know we've seen on Twitter we've seen even messages on our site you know it, it hasn't hasn't been um, 100% in favor I would say there's there's more people that are in favor of this than against it but well, I don't I don't want to pry and if you can't talk about it that's just fine you're not going to offend me but you said you, you knew that there would be a little blowback, and I don't even know what blowback means. Twitter is not real life. Yeah, you know that that you know everybody votes the way I vote on Twitter. So like tw- you know Twitter is not real life. But what what did you hear about uh, how how they you know prepared themselves, braced for selves, uh, named reality that that some people were going to be uh, frustrated by this, and in the in there are there are people that I respect greatly that are frustrated by this yeah. that are not just total blowhards. So what do you, what do you know about what the university did to, to kind of prepare for? Uh, I don't want to use the word backlash; that makes it sound like it's it's something uh, like you know against the White House or something. Yeah. But what did the university do to brace themselves? I don't I don't think there was any. I mean, obviously they vetted browse and they talked to a lot of other schools um and i had someone tell me that the support for browse was coming in um from those schools without even reaching out first on some on some occasions um talking talking about the quality individual he was and 
no issues arose where he was at these previous schools, stuff like that. As as far as you know, I, I've I don't have a ton of detail about you know what the process was, how they're going to face this backlash, but. Mm-hmm. This is the same school, and I've seen a, a couple of people post about it, and I think I even did. It's the same school that was able to move past their head coach using a racial slur in the height of racial tension. Mm-hmm. And I felt like if they feel like they could have got past this, then then they'll be able to get past get past if if they got past that they would get be able to get past this um now yeah. as far as like details and everything else jeff i i don't have a lot of details and i know that's what people want i know they're probably listening in as oh jeremy's going to spill a lot of beans he's, he's going to explain the whole vetting process i'm not going to do that cuz quite frankly i don't i don't have all that information and i know no. a lot of people and, and i'm not asking you to i'm not asking you to have all the answers and or info and I'm even if you had some and you don't want to share it that's totally your prerogative um you know I do have a few thoughts on that if you're if you're okay with me sharing them yes well I you know let's just you know I got like three or four points here it's like a sermon I've got three points in a poem um the first point is if you went back in a time machine to say like uh, March of 2016 and said, you know, f- fast forward to 2023 and Kendall Browse is going to be the offensive coordinator at TCU. You know, our, our message board, our fan base, our diehard listeners that have been with us the whole time would would have, you know, smacked us and called us silly this, to think that this would ever happen. So I think that there is a, a immediate backlash that just says there's no way we can hire this guy because of our history with Baylor. Right. And I do believe that there are people that have uh, a, a guttural response to this because of um, the lack of sensitivity around sexual violence, as well as how justice is often not uh, uh, able to be executed in those situations, which I, I would be one of those. Um, I think we all know that the situation at Baylor w- was hideous. I mean, it's like it, it was criminal, in my opinion. And, you know, Ken Starr, Ken Starr is dead and lost his job. I can't believe Ian McCall has the job as an athletic director at a correspondence school out there in Virginia. So I, I'm not a fan of him. And Art Bryles, and that's kind of the trifecta. That's the head of it. They have uh, that, that, that Art doesn't have a job anymore. I think if you read just – I don't mean like I read tweets or message boards, but Kazkazadi seemed to be – more it uh, closer to the power center at um, Baylor than Kendall Browse was, as well as our offensive line coach, and they were thoroughly vetted and hired by the university. And I, I Kendall seems to have been cleared by multiple state institutions that, to be honest, often have higher bars than private schools. At FAU, at Florida State, at uh, Arkansas, to get this position. Um, so I want to I want to state two things. One, I don't expect Art Brow, or Kendall to come out and badmouth his father in public. That's just the one thing that family needs to be off the table. Um, and if people at multiple state institutions that are not football staff have gone through this, then I slowly and begrudgingly kind of came around to it. I immediately thought, like heavens, no, I don't want this fool connected to our program. And then I took a deep breath and tried to ask, all right, how has this process been evaluated, not simply by fans on a message board? And I've arrived at uh, – this is my simple answer now, especially to all of you that uh, have concerns that I am not discounting. I want to be clear on that. Um, people I respect on our board disagree with me, and I am totally okay with that. Um, Vic Bashimi cares more about this university and its reputation than anybody else. And he's been the best chancellor in the history of our entire institution. As I like to say, we only have a med school because of the football program. And if Vic Bashimi has vetted this, then I'm good with it. And he knows a lot more than I do. So that, that, that those, that's my two cents. I don't know if that makes any sense, Jeremy, yeah. but that's kind of where I landed at. Uh, and, and I get it. I mean, people have experiences with this thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and I understand, and I understand where their opinion comes from and Mm -hmm. no matter, no matter what, in some of those cases, no matter how good these guys or women turn out to be, whoever's in these cases, 
they can't get past what happened before. And Mm -hmm. that's understandable. I, I, I agree with that, but you know, if there's any, if there's anything, you know, my opinions on this, I've always, you know, me really well. And some people on the board know me extremely well. I love my dad, but I am nothing like my dad. And I don't know if Kendall is like art and there's some people that say he is. And some people say, you know what, just because he wrote CAB doesn't necessarily mean he is just like his dad. I support my dad. My dad is a, he would, my, some of you guys would absolutely love my dad's political views. I promise you. <laughs> those those who know me know me well, but um, does he want to make Azel great again? Oh, he wants to make the whole country great. Again. <laughs> <laughs> he, and he, but that's what I'm saying. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I just, you know, it's it's one of those deals. I, and I've said it before. Not everyone is their father's son. You know, my yeah, not, not everyone it. that says the apple doesn't fall fall far from the tree. You know, that's that's the thing that always drives me nuts because, you know, my wife will tell me all the time, man, I cannot believe you're your dad's kid. Like my dad, mm-hmm. serious to God, has been married 15 times. I'm not that's not an exaggeration. His wife is as old as me right now. I mean, he's Does 70. Does he have a lawyer on permanent retainer? Uh, Pretty much. So. Wow. But anyway, getting away from my personal, you know, my personal stuff. Yeah, get- so you guys learned some cool stuff about me tonight. So hopefully you don't think any different about me because of my dad. I, I so, actually think more of you. God bless well, yeah. you, But I think, if, I you know, it, what happened down at Baylor was, was terrible. But if there's silver lining out of any of this, it opened a lot of people's eyes. The The way the, the landscape of college athletics in general completely changed after what happened at Baylor, the landscape. These guys have to go through training every year about all of this, about mandatory reporting and mm-hmm. and, and, and what measures they have to go through. So I think, you know, that's yeah, – I, I sincerely feel sorry for the victims, but that is something that I think when you look at situations like hiring someone like – uh, Kendall, not saying he was, you know, involved because we obviously all see the the reports. There's nothing that's been pinned on him. So mm-hmm. when I look at it, when I and I, you know, I don't want to chase rabbits, but Phil Montgomery was much more involved in at the right. core of this than Kendall Bras, let alone or Cause or or Rucker. And no one's batted an eye. I mean, he's the offensive coordinator at. All. I mean, Auburn clearly. I mean, they they like to hire guys that call hookers constantly. So, like, okay, we'll we'll set that aside. But uh, anyway, we could talk about this for an hour. And I'm not here to condone. And if and if, if I'll, I'll say this, if new information somehow comes out that uh, ties. Uh, Kendall or any of our other staff uh, closer to the center of, of a cover up or or anything like that. I mean, they should be gone. Yeah. But if if our if our university chancellor has has thoroughly vetted this, and I, I just think I think the world of Bashimi, and he's he's not disappointed me yet. Um, in in multiple other state schools. Yeah. Then, absolutely. Then let's go. And then, I, then let's go. And. Yeah, this yeah, isn't just, like one buddy vouching for somebody. Oh, no, I guess no. that's what I would. Say. Yeah, someone posted a picture of me jeremiah and me being the dummy you know being his puppet um mm-hmm. i have my own opinions on this and because my opinion is the same if tcu's and bringing kendall browse in that doesn't make me a puppet i think let me get it on record i think it is an extremely great hire football wise and there yeah. and he has not done anything since the time he left baylor and the thing that kind of makes me mad too is when I when I hear about, oh, TCU better be on alert. They better not. That is a complete slap in the face to Sonny Dykes and the rest of that coaching staff that has built a culture. And the entire institution. And the entire institution for for people to criticize. And they're, they're absolutely 100% given that right to criticize. There's nothing – they have their opinions, but to just automatically assume that certain things are going to happen by one individual, this one individual is going to change the whole landscape of what Vibo has built, what Donati has built, 
what Sonny Dykes has built, the, those other coaches on staff have built. That's what gets under my skin because people think, okay, well, he's here. This is it. TCU is going to be just like this. And I've seen those things. And I posted on the board too, the whole winning isn't that important thing. I've seen a lot of people post some things on Twitter that this time a year ago or even a little bit sooner were the same kind of people that were saying TCU needed to get rid of Gary Patterson. So which is it? Do you want to? Yeah, I know. Yeah, so it's – let me close it out with two things, and then we'll because there's, there's no easy way to transition out of this. So just let me give two thoughts as as the chaplain of the Frogcast, and we'll move on. Yes. Uh, number one is I'm assuming that a majority of our listeners are men. Doesn't mean it's only men, but I'm res- I'm assuming a majority of this is men. Uh, our listeners are men, so men, it is on us. It is on us to uh, speak up. It's on us to raise good men. It is on us to not tolerate jokes about sexual violence, and, it, and it's on us to, to model healthy behavior. And we do live in a broken world, and uh, violence will happen again. It will continue to happen, and we hope to pray and act in a way that brings it down. But the real issue is, what do you do after the fact? How does it respond? And I am confident in the university's ability to respond if an awful incident uh, were to take place, especially around the athletic department. Like Statistically, it's going to happen again far too soon. So minutes on us, and then when something awful does happen, I have confidence that they're going to respond accordingly and, uh, and make sure that we don't have a culture that tolerates that. So those are my two closing thoughts on a, on a complicated hire off the field, but something I feel really good about on the field. And I think Kendall Browse is going to light it up this fall. So I think it's going to be a lot feel of like fireworks. We've said all we need to say on that. There's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of fireworks. I really, it's going to be I, a lot of fireworks. I really do feel that way. All right. So let's go to the quarterback room. Then we need somebody that can sling the ball. That's going to uh, get the ball down the field and, and, and uh, set off the fireworks frog swung and miss on Walker Howard. Um, but he went to Ole Miss. There's like 18 five-star start or five uh, power five starters in the quarterback room at Ole Miss, but the Frogs do have a five-star quarterback that could be here and eligible this summer on the radar. This kind of popped up out of nowhere. Tell us a little bit of the backstory of Rashad because this was like a bomb that Steve Wilfong dropped in our lap on the message board about him being able to get out of his NLI from Florida. NLI. Well, I don't know what I don't know what number to believe because you've seen thirteen million thrown out, and it's a four year three point two. Bud Elliott has said thirteen is real, and I Bud's kind of the godfather yeah, of twenty four yeah, seven. Okay. I trust Bud. He doesn't. He doesn't engage in hyperbole. That's a lot of money. That is a, that's lot, a of lot of money. That's more than I made last year. Yeah, me too. Actually, probably the last thirty years. So, um, anyhow, I think it was. I don't know where how TCU got involved in this. Uh, you know, if 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 he reached out to them or if they reached out to him, all I do know is there's there's interest there. Okay, there is a story there. He went to visit Arizona State this past weekend. He's going to visit TCU this upcoming weekend, and Kendall Browse is going to go see him this week for an in-home visit. There you go. There's a, there's a nugget for you, listeners. Kendall Browse is going to see him in an in-home visit. Is he out of Miami? I think he's out of California, Pittsburgh, California. He's out of California. You're, I think he's, I'm pretty sure he's out of Pittsburgh, California, but I could be completely wrong. Hold on, let's use the let's use let's technology. Twenty four seven website. Yeah, let's use technology here. You you keep talking, but uh, all right. It, you know, you got breaking news right here. The Kindle's going to get in and home visit, and we get to visit. He's going to visit TCU after going to Arizona State. You always want to be at the end and and not the beginning. So, you know, would would it would it would it balance everything out if we lose out on Walker Howard and then kind of get a steal on Rashad coming in to be a five star quarterback? I would not complain. I don't know why in the world he'd want to go play in that Billy Napier offense anyway. Um, I know one fool on this podcast that was really high on Billy Napier last year at Washington Florida go six. He never talks though. He never talks. He never talks. No, and he never brings it up. What do you got? Where's Where's Rashad from? Rashad is from. It's exactly. This is how much we knew before going in. It's actually Rashada, Jaden Rashada, um, Pittsburgh, Jayden California. Rashada. So I was right about that. Number six quarterback in the nation, 
according to the 24-7 sports rankings five-star. Um, I, I do know this. The the landscape's going to change a little bit for the way they recruit quarterbacks now. They're, they are going to look for those dual-threat guys, and that just tells me Sonny is going to let Kendall get in the guys that he feels can help win, help them uh, win the best. So what <laughs> I honestly think, and some people have posted about it on the board, I think the guy that probably fit their offense the best is the one that's going to play at Cal now and Sam Jackson. I really, you know, think of think I, about a guy like that, but yeah, um, but yeah, this this is moving really quick. the The whole recruitment with Rashada, I think uh, Cal's involved. I don't think he's going to go to Cal. The other school involved, Colorado. Colorado is they've they've got a lot of hype right now. I will Who's say the that coach there, Prime Time, Prime Coach Prime. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I thought it was Daryl Hayes. Don't call him Dion. He gets real offended if you call him Dion now. Yeah. Um, but they just got a five-star corner that is, you know, he, he he's got the number one corner of the last two classes with him and the Travis Hunter kid that's up at Colorado now. They're going to be able to build a good roster. Um, I don't think Colorado's NIL collective is anything close to what – Arizona State, or uh, I don't even think Cal has it in I, I don't I, Honestly, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about Cal, you know, being able to land players th- through the NIL. Um, but TCU's is obviously good. But I will say this. I don't put certainties on a lot of things, but I would, um, I would almost guarantee that there is no chance that they're going to come anywhere close to paying what – uh, Rashada was getting from Florida. No chance. No. no. Well, what I don't understand is, you know, he asked to get out of his NLI, and let's say they're off. Oh, we can't do 13, buddy. We can do eight. You know, do you get out of your NLI so you can go somewhere and get four? I don't know how all that works. Maybe he just, maybe it was, uh, maybe, maybe just burned a bridge by not being forthright about what they could pay. Well, at some point, you got to. You know, I was talking to Fong about this. You got to look at, you know, what's going to be the best place where you can go to actually get developed yes. and, and and get to the next level. And I think that's something that he's got to look at. It can't, it can't just be all about the NIL because I think if kids just start looking at NIL in particular, what's that say about their belief in their talents? Do they exactly. not? Do they not believe that they can? excel at a school that's going to develop them and get them to the ultimate goal. Like I don't think, and I hope it doesn't change this, but I, I hope it doesn't change to where high school kids stop having a dream to get to the NF, NFL. And then all of a sudden their, their next dream is, man, I want to get a huge NIL deal. That's my goal. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. So I hope it doesn't turn into that. But with Rashada, you got to look at it. If you're looking from a pure, Football standpoint, there's no question who leads in that category. There's no question who has the best quarterback depth chart. They've TCU literally has two scholarship quarterbacks. One of them can run. The other one's not much of a runner. Josh is more of a he was more of a Sunny Docks Garrett Riley type quarterback. I'm not saying he's not going to be able to make a splash or anything like that, but I'm just looking at the the way that they've recruited quarterbacks and who's running the offense now is different. Kendall Browles wants a wants a faster guy. If you look at where he's coached at, he wants a quarterback that's able to run. De'Eric King comes to mind. Obviously, KJ Jefferson. Um, the last two years at Arkansas has been more of a dual threat guy. So you want to have a guy that's that's going to be able to run. And honestly, I think Chandler's going to fit into it perfectly. We we've seen Chandler run before. And we've seen we've seen the plays Chandler can make. We've seen that he can make a lot of good throws. Um, he's just got to become more durable. He's he's got to make it through a season, and I think that's the biggest challenge for them. And that's probably the message they they pitch to Rashada is: Listen, our quarterback gets hurt. He missed only, he missed the season last year um, because he was injured early on and couldn't get back on the field. He could have got back on the field, but not with the way Max was playing. But then you've got another guy that they say, well, Josh is he's he's a good quarterback, but he really he's really not 
what Kendall Browse runs for this offense. He's not a real good runner. I don't know how good a runner Rashada is. I've I've been told that he's pretty good. Um, but there's a lot of selling points for TCU. And if it just comes down to a football decision, I think TCU would have a great chance to land him. But unfortunately that's not gonna that's not gonna be it. It's gonna come down um to the NIL. It's gonna come down to what dad and what the agent thinks and everything else. So I, I I'll just be honest with you. There is there is, is unless there is a big money donor that comes in and says, Here Flying T, here's a fifteen million dollar check, Flying T is not Number one, not going to be able to afford Rashada. Number two, they won't. Uh, Sonny Docks and those guys will not let them pay uh, a, a high school kid, <laughs> let alone a, a high school kid. They're not going to pay a, a high school kid that much money um, yep. to, to go play football for them because, yeah, they're proven at the high school level, but what have you done in college? What have you done in college? That's right. Well, we'll see how all that unfolds. And if you want to know how everything goes with the home visit that Kendall Bryles is going to have, you need to log on to 24-7 TCU Horn Frog Blitz. That's where all the latest is going to be. I do right, know, Jeremy, I'm going to hit you. I do, go ahead. I, I do know another quarterback he's going to go see this week is Haas Haney out there at Alito. And now he's a guy oh, that, no that really fits the system. Um, Haas is a guy that – a lot of people remember his dad's Jesse Haney and his mom's Jim Ann Haney. And both of them were athletes at TCU and Jesse played football and Jim Ann was a basketball and track star. I think she's, I think she's in the hall of fame over there. But um, anyway, Haas is getting bigger. He's about five eleven three quarters, right at six foot, about 190 pounds now. And he ran a 10, six, 100 last year, 10, six, eight. So He's got verified speed, so I, I I think Haney would be a name to keep an eye on um, because I think that's the kind of quarterback that Kendall Browse is probably going to be looking for moving forward as well. They may take two. They may have to take two in the twenty twenty four class. We don't know yet. They might have to. You got you you can't you can never have enough quarterbacks. That's all I have to say. Exactly. You can never have enough quarterbacks. Well, what I want to do here, Jeremy, I put, uh, we've already gone over some listener questions, but I'm going to start hitting you with a series of listener questions. All right. And don't feel like you have to exhaust all of them. We want to get as many of these in as we can. We've got about 13 minutes here left in the show. So you ready? Let's get to it. All right. All right. What are some lessons you think that the staff learned from the playoff run to be prepared for turning around to play the number two team, to play the number one team, as well as leading into the opening round of the playoff? Lessons learned from the playoff run for next year or the year to come. I think they got to continue recruiting at a high level. I think if you look at what Georgia had, Georgia's roster was extremely talented. Michigan's team was extremely talented too, but I think just Georgia's on the next level. I think you got to continue to try to land kids like Marcus Steele, Cordell Russell. Those are the type of kids that are going to help build your program um, when you're getting those type of kids that had offers from everywhere, including Georgia. Um, but I think obviously it starts up front. They've, they've got to get better in the trenches. The, the offensive line played extremely well against Michigan. They struggled mightily against Georgia. So I, I think you've got to find those high caliber offensive linemen um, to help combat teams like Georgia. If you ever want to, and we're, we're not talking about Big 12 here, we're talking about trying to get back and, and, and you're back in the national championship hunt and you want to bring home the trophy. You've got to recruit at a higher level. You've got to get those guys um, that are five-star, high four-star kids into your program. And I think they had a good start so far. They they had the best recruiting class that I've seen them have. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be able to continue building off that. One of the big advantages that Georgia had, it leads into my second question, wasn't just on the field in terms of recruiting like you highlighted their support staff is bigger than my high school graduating class. So, uh, again, I want to go back to Bud Elliott. One of his favorite comments is, Georgia sidelines are full of five stars and young guys with polos and clipboards. And so when, when Georgia made that short drive back from Atlanta after beating Ohio State to Athens – uh, they probably had reams of, of information. They threw away all the Michigan stuff and they pulled out all the TCU stuff that they had been working on for, for three weeks 
does TCU have a support staff, not just on the field, but a support staff to be able to sustain not only a playoff run next year, which would include a four-team, but going forward, where you've got to play potentially four games in a row to win the national to, to get to win the national championship? What does the TCU need to do on the support staff side? Because we talk about money to players with NIL, but we got to start talking about money for the staff so that Sonny has everything he needs to be in a position to win a national championship. Yeah, I was about to say you got to have the budget for that and I think if you look at those programs that have that high number of staff members the line's not very long Georgia Alabama and then fill in the blank I, I don't even know I mean those those I think Ohio State may, yeah maybe Ohio State so I I'll look at it from a perspective of, of you've just got to have you've, you've got to have the budget to to bring on those guys I think ideally I mean of course Sonny Dykes would love to have 15 to 20 young guys just walking around clipboards, breaking down film the whole time. But they do have some of those guys, but they, they surely don't have that high number. And, you know, quite honestly, I don't know if they'll ever get that high number like that because the SEC is just built different. They got a little bit of a better budget down there. Just a little bit of a better budget down there. You know what? You're absolutely right. Warren Roberson, what do we know? He's still committed to TCU talking to Arizona State. This is going to be a question you're going to ask you're going to be asked every day between now and the second signing day. What's the latest tonight on Sunday, January 22nd? It's, it's 6:53. It's going down to the wire. I mean, I think there was some talk that he might have visited Arizona State unofficially this this past weekend. I've, I haven't been able to confirm that, but it's going to go down to the wire. I mean, there's there's a staff that really knows um Roberson very well. Uh, Brian recruited him uh, to TCU, helped helped recruit him. He was one of the coaches, him and Paul Gonzalez. And uh, obviously, when you when you lose a coach uh, from the program that recruited you, you're sometimes recruits open it up anyway. But then you got He's at a school now, Arizona State. It's kind of eye opening to him because it's one of those places where he probably could go in there and see some early playing time, and he's a really good player. He could have that chance at TCU, but I think there's people in his ear telling him that TCU has signed this many guys, they've signed this many guys at this position, Who they, who's here's who they have back, and who better than Carrington to tell the kid and the family what TCU has. I mean, he spent a whole year around him. He knows that roster inside and out. He knows every guy. He knows every – Every player, like, he could be telling those guys, for all we know, hey, Chase Biddle's going to be a stud at safety. You're not going to beat him out. Or so-and-so is going to be great at corner. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that he could use. Not that he's doing it, but he's got it in his back pocket that he can use to kind of sell Arizona State while at the same time let him know why TCU might not be his best option. And uh, I think that's that's the thing that you're running into here because – you have a you have a coach that has a great relationship with the player, and you have a coach that knows a ton about the school that he's committed to, and and really how they they could plan on using them. I I know it's a battle right now. Um, they they did do an in home visit last week. Um, I I think that it went well. I was told it went well, but Warren's just kind of he's he it would not shock me in the least. If we wake up Wednesday morning and he's decided to flip, or Tuesday night mm-hmm. and he's decided to flip, that that's usually what happens in these cases. If he stays to TCU, that's awesome. It's a huge get for them. He's a great player. He'll come in and compete at TCU. It's not like the you know Arizona State has less talented players than TCU, but that doesn't mean that Warren can't come in and beat those guys out at TCU. So hey, we were out there. It's a it's a great place to live. <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah, it's a, it is. It's it's a uh, you know, it's a it, it's a nice area. You know, Arizona State's. You know, it's it's a nice. Uh, Tempe's a nice little college town, and I I can see what draws kids to that university. But no, I can't. Are you going to Are you going to entrust your football career if you want to truly get developed? Are you going to entrust your football career to a first year head coach? And a first-year cornerback coach. I'm I'm choosing. I'm not going to do that. Probably not. I mean, if you're looking at it from a football perspective, 
and you want to get developed, I mean, TCU's had the Jim Thorpe winner twice in the last two years. Three years. Three years, sorry. So, I mean, they're obviously doing a good job. Paul Gonzalez does a great job. Carlton Buckles does a good job. So, if you're if you're wanting to truly find a place that's going to help your path get to the NFL, which I hope is still the ultimate goal, then the answer is right in front of you. <laughs> get your TCU paperwork on Wednesday morning, sign it, and send it in. That's that's, that's what you got to do. But um, I do know kids that they do, and I'm not saying this about Warren, but there are kids that want to be the big fish in a small small pond, and I get that too. I think that's why I think that's why TCU lost out on Mikael Harrison Pilot because I felt like, and I was told this that he really wanted to go somewhere where he felt like he could make an impact instantly instead of just being another guy and being and being a guy, you know one of the guys as a true freshman. So sometimes that happens like that. People kind of scratch their head, try to figure out why in the world did they decide that school. And sometimes it could be just as simple as what I've been saying. You want to be a you want to be a big fish in a small pond. One more, a couple more questions here, real quick. Um, give me two names, either a new signee or or a redshirt freshman that you think is going to be able to make an impact on the field in twenty twenty three. Give me two, maybe three names of guys that haven't really seen the field yet. I really like Randon Fontanetti, the signee, the safety. I think with them losing a few guys on, on the back end, he'll have a chance. He's already in school. He'll go through spring ball. He's got great size. He's 6'2", 205, I think is what they measured him in at. Um, and they're extremely high on that kid. Uh, I, I still think he's going to go up even higher once 24-7 does their final rankings. Um, because right now I think we got him at 36. And everyone I've talked with, has said he's a lot better than that ranking. So hopefully we see him go up. He's he's a lot higher in every other recruiting services ranking. So, so I, I really feel like he's going to go up in 24-7. But I like him. And, and as far as guys that are on the roster already that maybe got redshirted last year, I'm, I'm really interested to see how they use Major Everhart. I mean, we all know how fast he was. Um, I don't know how much. I, I think he's running track. I got to double check on that, but that was I think that was part of the deal for him to go to TCU is to play football and run track. So if he's doing track and not getting to, to play a whole lot of spring football, then that can delay some of his progress. But if he's not running track and gets to spend all of his time focusing on football, then I think he's obviously a guy to keep an eye on because you lose three slot guys. You lose Darius Davis, you lose Tay Barber, you lose Gunnar Henderson. So I think playing time is going to be available for him. And even even if it's not there, maybe even in the return game on kickoff returns, they want to get that speed on the field somehow um, going into next year. So I think Major Everhart's definitely a guy to, to keep an eye on. All right, last question. <clears throat> if you were the general manager at ESPN, how would you highlight TCU Colorado on opening weekend? We got a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, all the way down to a Monday night game. Ooh. Because I'm telling you, week one, the the defending, I mean, the runner up to the national title and Coach Prime has got to be in prime time. How big yeah. of a game do you think this is going to be, and where would you place it? Man, that's a good question. I don't like Friday nights because that's kind of made for. Probably not mm-hmm. high school football in Texas, but yep, I wouldn't mind it. I, you know, it's the it, sh- it should be Labor Day weekend, right, or Memorial Day weekend? Yeah, Labor Day weekend. Okay, yep. so everyone's off Monday. So I would you know, I I wouldn't want to wait till Monday. It, I'd get too antsy on a personal level. So I would probably say Thursday night. Thursday night, let it be the only game on television, and uh, I, I would say either Thursday night or Sunday night. That would be. That would be my two choices, and I'd probably I'd probably go ahead with Thursday because Thursday it's the head of the big weekend. You've got the defending uh, or a team not defending champs, but a team that was the national title game playing, and then you got all this hype around Colorado right now. So, and then it'll be talked about all weekend, all weekend long, especially you know, when the- TCU wins by three or four touchdowns, and yeah, they start to question. So, you know, the thing about it is. Um, you know, they might record audio of us talking, Jeff, so watch out with what we say. And they're posted on oh, the board up so. there. But, you know, I 
I, I really like I can understand why people wanted to hire Dion. I mean, look at what he's doing at Colorado. There's a lot of hype behind everything. Sales are going crazy. Tickets. People are buying Bringing its own luggage and its Louis. Yeah. I mean, they're getting they're getting these great players. But what I've always known about Dion, every coach and stop he's had, he's always had this great roster. Even at Trinity Valley and Cedar Trinity Christian and Cedar Hill, his teams were so superior talented to anyone else. It wasn't even fair. I mean, it was not even close. And they obviously were successful. But they never went against a team that was equally talented as them. Jackson State's the same thing. They built a roster that has a ton of FBS guys on there. And and not only FBS guys, but highly rated P5 guys on that roster, including the number one player in America, Travis Hunter. And you're playing against teams that just aren't as talented as his team. So I want to see how he's going to do when he has to go against teams that he's going to have a talented team at Colorado. Make no mistake about it. But the thing about it is they're going to be pretty young. So I want to see how he does when his roster is going to be equally talented or, you know, when their opponents are going to be equally uh, as talented as Colorado. What's it going to be like when he has to play Oregon? What's it going to be like when he has to play Oregon State or Washington and those teams? And and I don't know if you, you – is USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten this year? Or are they No, they've got one more year. Okay, so what's it going to be like when they have to play those teams? Now, I do think Colorado is going to be successful. I really do. What's it, I mean, and, and TCU obviously is in that mix too. I think they're going to be successful – but I don't think they're going to go out and win nine, ten games. They're not going to catch lightning in a bottle. I think it's probably going to be a six and six team. He'll get them to a bowl game, and that's where you start. That's where you start to build a program. I think what we saw this year with Sonny was a complete anomaly. I don't think that ever happens, and we may never see it again. I mean, how many years was it since the coach did that as a first year head coach before Sonny was able to get him to the national title game? So, I, oh, yeah. I, I think. Uh, I think I'm going to be really excited for it. I hope you fly down for that game or drive down, and I'm planning we'll, on it. We'll go get some Heim barbecue or something, and you know, and uh, we'll we'll go enjoy the festivities and and watch the the great kickoff to it to the 2023 season. All right, Jeremy, we've gone an hour. I'm going to wrap it up, but I'm going to. This is if you listen to this Monday morning, you're going to just laugh. But we're in real time, so I have to say it. Have you seen? the halftime score of the Cowboys game? No, I have not. Now, the last... Right, I'm good. Okay, I don't I'm, care. I'm not, I'm, one, right. I'm not one of those, oh, don't tell me. I don't care. Right. Jeremiah Glenn, it's, he'll freak out if you tell him. But I let, I'm going to say, right. when I left, I'll, when I'll I left just, the game, I'll, they had just thrown a 31-yard completion, in, but I haven't seen one thing about it since then. I just had a tweet sent to me from a buddy. I'm going to read this tweet. I swear I can kick as good as the Cowboys kicker. You want to guess who said that? I don't know. Governor Greg Abbott. Oh my gosh. It's nine to six and we had our PAT blocked. (laughs) (laughs) We got God bless Governor Abbott. I know he had a terrible accident. Governor Abbott tweeted that? Yeah, Governor Abbott tweeted that for his wheelchair. (laughs) Bull crap. He did not tweet that. I'm serious as could be. Hold on. I looked at it. This is not a parody account. You're lying your butt off. I am not lying. Hold on. I'm sending it to you right now. <laughs> oh my okay. gosh. Send me this because I obviously I don't have the right account because yeah, I gotta see this. This is funny. Yep. Yep, I sent it to you. It is insane. I'm not even joking. That is from Governor Greg Abbott. Wow. Yep, I see it. <laughs> you see it? <laughs> what terrible... the heck, man? Well, I, I guess you got to make fun of yourself sometimes. Oh no! But hey, hey, he's got. A, he's accomplished a lot in life. He's got a sense of humor. Yeah. So yeah, I'll well, give, him, well, I'll give we, him all of that. We have got to end on that because that's just complete greatness right there. Yep, we're gonna end right there. 
All right, everybody, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast. We will be back soon. Hopefully the Frogs continue to make a run on the hardwood. We're going to have a whole lot more going on on the recruiting trail. And if you got $13 million bucks, drop it off to the Flying Tea Club. Now is the time to pass the plate and pony up for NIL. Uh, good programs win, great programs cheat. So that's where I want to see TCU at. So until we get together again, for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast.